Let's pray together, and then we'll dig into the Word. Thank you for the things that have been shared. What encouragement, Lord. You are so good in the ways that you work in us, the ways you work through us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I need your help now for preaching this. Give me wisdom, I pray. Uh, Give me clarity of mind, I pray. Give me the right heart and fill me with your love, I pray. Lord, this this word, this passage could be so liberating for us today. Please help me. Um, Help me bring it to this flock. I need it. We all need it. Bring it to us this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. So to introduce uh, the passage this morning, I want you to think about this. Uh, Some people think that the Christian life is all about miracles. That if you have strong faith, if you have biblical strong faith, you will experience miracle after miracle after miracle. And if you have strong faith, you won't experience trials or suffering because you'll be delivered from them. So if you're a strong believer, these people think the Christian life is just one miracle after another. People in this mind frame, they see that God works miracles in the Bible, and so when a problem comes, they pray for the miracle. And if they see other people suffering, sick, struggling, they think, well, that person must not have very strong faith. So some people think that the Christian life is just all about miracles. Other people think that the Christian life is all about suffering, okay? And that is, they think, if I've got strong faith, I've got Jesus, I don't need miracles. I've got Jesus. And I know the Bible calls me to rejoice in trials. And the Bible says that trials, suffering will bring me closer to the Lord. So when trials come, I'm not going to bother with miracles. I'm just going to suffer because it's going to bring me closer to the Lord. And these people maybe have a little suspicion about those who are thinking about miracles too much because they think that what the Christian life is all about is suffering. So some people think the Christian life is all about miracles Other people think it's all about suffering. So which group is right? Or are either of them right? Hebrews 11 tells us. So let's turn. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 29 through 40. And if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We we really want you to have a Bible in front of you so that you can study the passage. The Bible is what we're all about here at Mercy Hill Church. The most important words you're going to hear, read, are the words in the Bible this morning. And so Hebrews 11, which is on page 1,108 in the Bibles that we're passing out. Powerful, powerful passage. Now, before we dig into verses 29 through 40, let's just pull back and get, get the big picture of what's been going on in the book of Hebrews. What's the author's author been saying? What has his train of thought been? And we can, can we get the next slide up there, John? The, uh, the arcs we got there, there we go. So that's in your notes. This may be a little too small for you to read. I've got to think of a way to... So anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll go through this. But it's in your notes. should be able to be read there. Here's what's been going on in this book. Chapter 1, all the way through, halfway through chapter 10, the author has focused on Jesus Christ. And he says that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Fully man and fully God. He came to the earth, he died on the cross, and he broke the power of death. His death on the cross paid for sins. His death and resurrection have broken Satan's power. The fact that 
he is a flesh and blood man as well as being fully God, fully man. The fact that he was flesh and blood man and that he was tempted as we are means he sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. Isn't that beautiful? God came to the earth and he sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. And the author says that Jesus is our perfect priest. We don't need any other priest, just Jesus, our perfect priest, and that we can come to God through him because he has paid the perfect sacrifice for our sins. So that's ten and a half chapters, okay? Chapter one through ten, halfway through. Then in verses 19 through 39 of chapter 10, he gives four therefores. First of all, therefore, draw near to God through Jesus. Have you this week been drawing near to God, seeking his face, praying, meeting him in the scriptures? Draw near to God. That's the first therefore. Second therefore, hold fast to God's promises. The world is seeking to pull us away like the Niagara Fall, Niagara River to plunge to destruction. Hold to his promises. He will pull us out. Okay, so keep holding on to God's promises. That's the second therefore. The third, therefore, is encourage each other so no one else loses hold and drifts away. So encourage each other, love each other, care for each other, encourage each other. And then the fourth one is stir up in your heart faith in Jesus Christ as your better and lasting possession than anything else in the universe. Stir up that trust in Jesus Christ. You're my prize. You're my joy. You're my treasure. So that brings us up to the end of chapter 10. And then... Because he's just talked about stirring up faith. In chapter 11, he wants to make clear what faith is and what faith does. So that's all of chapter 11. And I'm not going to go through all those there. They're in your notes, but you can look at that on your own and study those. So now we come to the end of chapter 11, this last section about faith, verses 29 through 40. And in these verses, the author gives us four crucial truths about faith, which are so powerful to ponder and think about. This is an amazing passage of scripture. So let's dig in. What's the first crucial truth? It's this. By faith, people work miracles. There's that word. Okay. By faith, people work miracles, and as a result, they avoid suffering. That happens. Okay, so all those of you who are into miracles are like, yes, I knew it was going to be here. Okay, so hang on, but there's this part two too, but let's start with part one. By faith, people work miracles and avoid suffering. Verses 29 through 35, this is an astonishing list of miracles that by faith people worked. God worked through them as they had faith. Let's go through them one by one. Verse 29, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Here's the story. Some of you already know this. Israel was in Egypt. God worked with mighty signs and wonders, and Pharaoh said, okay, you can go. And so they fled Egypt and came up against the Red Sea. Pharaoh's armies chasing from behind, the Red Sea in front of them. God said, God parted the Red Sea and said, you walk across, you'll be fine. So they're thinking, okay, there's a little bit of a risk here. You can feel it, right? You walk across the Red Sea. What if it like closes back in while you're halfway across? You'd be drowned, okay? So, but they, they, they trusted God. And by faith, they walked across on dry land and made it through to the other side. And then when the Egyptian armies came in after them, the waters closed in. The Egyptian armies were drowned. So the point is that by faith, 
Israel walked across on dry land. By faith, they experienced a miracle. Verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. You know this story too, right? Uh, Israel was told by God to go in. People have sinned too much. They need to be destroyed. So here's Jericho, really thick walls, too thick for Israel to invade. God said, that's all right. March around it seven times or seven days, once a day, seven days. On the seventh day, then march around it, shout, blow the trumpet. The walls will come a-tumbling down. Okay, that's what, what God told him. And so Israel had faith in God, marched around seven days, seventh day, shouted, blew the trumpets, and the walls came crashing down. So again, another example of a miracle. By faith, by their faith, the walls came down. Verse 31. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Rahab lived in Jericho, the city that has walls come tumbling down, okay? But but Rahab, we read, had heard about what God had done to Egypt, delivering the people of Israel. She'd heard that God had parted the Red Sea. She'd heard that God's people walked across on dry land. She'd heard that the Egyptian army was drowned when they tried to get across. She'd heard all of these things. She saw who God was. She turned from her sin and trusted God to forgive her trusted God to change her, trusted God to satisfy her, and as he always does, he did. She was transformed. She loved the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then when Israelite spies came into Jericho to kind of scope it out, she helped them. Risky thing to do. She helped them. And so when the city was destroyed by faith, she was not killed when the walls came tumbling down. Another example of a miracle. Verses 32 to 35. The author makes this long list of miracles. Let's just read this through. 32 to 35. He says, What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. They stopped there. This is amazing. Did you hear that? By faith, these incredible things took place. And let me just, I want to elaborate on two of them in particular. Notice the end of verse 33. Stop the mouths of lions. Okay, you know the story about Daniel, right? Daniel uh, lived in Babylon, and the, the king had made a decree that no one could pray to anyone but him. He'd kind of been tricked into this. You'll have to read the whole story in Daniel. So the king had made a decree that no one can pray to anybody but me, and if they pray to anybody else, they get thrown into a den of hungry lions and they will be devoured. So that was the decree. And so Daniel went ahead and prayed, obedient to God, trusted God. And so the king threw him into a den of hungry lions, and by faith, 
Daniel stopped the mouths of lions. Did you read that? That's what it says right there. Stopped the mouths of lions. Miracle. One other one I want to highlight. Verse 34, beginning of verse 34. Quench the power of fire. You know what that story is? Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember the fiery furnace? So this time the king built this huge statue and said to all of the people, whenever you hear the trumpets and the lyres and the bagpipes or whatever, whenever you hear the music start to play, everybody has got to bow down and worship my statue, right? And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, uh, we can't do that. We worship God. So the music started up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow down to the statue. And so the king threw them into a fiery furnace that was so hot that the guards throwing them in were overcome and killed by the heat. But what happened? By faith, they quenched the power of fire. Miracle. And they were delivered alive. So here's this first crucial truth in this amazing passage, this listing of miracles. By faith, people work miracles and avoid suffering. Okay? That happens. But that's only half the story. Starting in the second half of verse 35 and going down to verse 38, he teaches us another truth about faith. By faith, people endure trials and suffering. Second half of verse 35. Some were tortured. There's a whole different feel now in the second list. You feel already? Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Do you feel what a stark contrast this list has with the previous list. Do you feel that? This is a whole different ballgame here. And, and you could think, well, now, did, did these people have faith, though? Did they have faith? And if you look at Hebrews chapter 11, in the previous list, you'll see that there's many times when the author does not bother to mention by faith, but his assumption is that everybody in this entire chapter, it's by faith this, by faith this, by faith this, just sometimes he leaves out the words. And so it's crystal clear that he's, all these people in verse 35b through 38, this is all by faith. So let's read it and just add that phrase in so you can just see the, the power of what he's saying here. And this should shock you. Okay, the, and he wants us to be shocked at this point and to say, wait a minute, I like that first list. What's this list about? But let's read it. Halfway through verse 35b. Uh, halfway through verse 35. By faith, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they may might rise to a better life. By faith, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. 
by faith they were stoned. By faith they were sawn in two. By faith they were killed with the sword. By faith they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. By faith wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. This is so important for us to understand, church. We, we need to hear this, okay? The same faith, the same strong faith, the same biblical faith, sometimes brings miracles that deliver us from trials, and other times calls us into trials to endure trials and to suffer trials. The same faith. Okay, And the author, the way he structured this, we can see he intentionally wants us to see this contrast. Notice in verse 34, he talks about those who by faith escaped the edge of the sword. In verse 34, do you see that? By faith, some escaped the edge of the sword. But then in verse 37, he talks about those who by faith were killed by the sword. By faith, some escaped the edge of the sword. Verse 34. Verse 37, by faith some were killed by the sword. Stark contrast he wants us to feel here. So by faith, same faith sometimes delivers us from trials and sometimes calls us to persevere through trials. Same faith. Same faith. This is going to be encouraging to some of you because some of you are in the thick of trials. And you maybe have thought or maybe have had someone say to you, you know, if your faith was stronger, the trial would be over. This passage should show you that is not true. Do you see that? That is not true. The people in the suffering section had just the same and strong faith as those in the miracle section. You're all looking like you're shocked. Are we getting this? This is so important for us to understand. So, the same faith sometimes delivers us from trials and sometimes calls us to endure trials. Same faith in Jesus Christ. So what would faith in each of those different cases look like? I thought, let me just think, how would it look for the faith that sees miracles and what would the faith look like when it's called to suffer? So let's just think of two different scenarios here. Let's for the, for the miracle faith, let's think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So I want to ask the question, what did faith look like for them, and then what did faith look like for someone called to suffer? So here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fiery furnace, and as verse 34 says, they quenched the power of fire. Amazing statement. So how did that work? Okay, God had not told them that they were going to be released from the fire. For all they knew, they were obeying God and they were going to be burned to death. That's all they knew. So what would they have done? They, they didn't bow down to the statue. They are arrested. They are tied up. They're being carried towards the fiery furnace. What did it mean for them to have faith? It meant they prayed. Father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you're in sovereign control of everything. You can deliver us from this. Deliver us. Please, Father, deliver us. You can do it. Just say the word, and we will not be killed. Deliver us, we pray. So they would have prayed 
and asked God to deliver them. That's what faith does. And they would have trusted God's promise. Father, you will either deliver us from this fiery furnace or you will sustain us as we die in this fiery furnace. You will either deliver us or you will sustain us as we die. But whatever you do, we know it's a perfect plan for us. It's how you're going to give us the greatest joy in you, so we trust you. So they are, they're tied up, they're being carried to the fiery furnace. They're saying, God, please deliver us, we trust you, but, but help us. They're, 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 being, they're being walked up the ramp towards the fiery furnace. They're being thrown into the fiery furnace. We're being thrown in. I guess God's not going to deliver us. We're in here. But wait, we're not feeling any heat. This doesn't feel hot at all. We're just, we're here. He delivered us. And so by faith, they extinguished the power of fire. That's how faith would have worked in that situation. So then how would faith work in the other situation? Verse 35, we read that by the exact same faith, others were tortured and killed. Okay, how did that work? We don't know a lot of details about who these people were. We know that what happened was they would have been freed from the torture had they turned their backs on God and worshipped idols. We know that. They love God. They love God. He's their father. They love God. And so they're not going to turn their back on God and worship idols. So there they are. And God has not told them that he's going to deliver them from, from being tortured to death. God's not told them that. So what would faith have looked like in this situation? We know they had faith. So what would it have looked like? And so they would have prayed, Father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, deliver us. Don't let us be tortured. We ask, we, we plead with you, please. So they would have prayed, asked God to deliver them. That's what we're called to do. We ask for the miracle. Ask for the miracle. That's what we do. They ask for the miracle. And then they would have trusted God. Father, we know that you can deliver us, and you either will deliver us, or if you choose not to deliver us, if you choose to have us be tortured to death, we know this is your perfect, your wise plan for us. And this is how you're going to bring us the greatest joy in you. And you will sustain us. So we trust you, Father. And then they would have seen, we're being tortured. God, give us grace. Sustain us. We're not going to bow the knee to an idol because we are going to be raised to a better resurrection. They trusted that and, and God gave them grace and they suffered and they died by faith. The same kind of faith that in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's case extinguished the power of fire. The same faith, different results. Okay? Now, why? Why did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's faith bring a miracle so they were delivered? And why did these who were tortured, why did their faith not bring a miracle? Why were they not delivered and ended up being, being killed? Why the difference? Same faith, why the difference? It's because God has different plans for different people. He has very different plans for different people. That's why. His miraculous deliverance of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it was a wise plan. 
It was a loving plan. It was how he was going to bring them the most joy in him. It's a beautiful plan. His plan of not delivering those who ended up being tortured to death was a perfectly wise plan. A perfectly loving plan. A flawlessly beautiful plan because it would be the way they would come to have the greatest joy in God. And he would have sustained them by his grace through it all. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were on their faces saying, Thank you, God! And these believers who were tortured to death when they went into God's presence in heaven said, Thank you, God! Same faith, different results, because God has very different plans for different people. So those are the first two truths about faith that the author wants us to see here. I wouldn't be surprised if this stirred up some questions because this might be a little shocking. So if you have a question before we move into the last two, I, yeah, I'm sure there's ways that, that miracles could happen in the course of suffering. Yeah, but, but here the list is miracles and the list is suffering because the author wants to make a point, but yes, that can certainly happen. Things aren't, aren't always like one way or the other way. So it could sound like uh, you got an answer for everything, or whatever thing comes up. It's like, well, you know, but so all maybe Simos can help out with this. But all all we can say to that is, but that's what the Bible teaches, right? And that's just what the Bible says. So it's not us trying to. Well, we'll say this, and then we'll say this to cover that. It's not us. This is what the Bible says about God. Does that help any? So it's just what the Bible teaches. And God's grace will sustain us and satisfy us through the suffering, and that will be a display that God is our all-satisfying treasure. Even when everything around us is crumbling, we're strong and we're at peace because we have Him. So I don't know if that helps any, but it's a really good question. For somebody to rejoice in trials is not explainable by natural means here. When everything is crumbling, it's because they have God, and that's a supernatural answer, which is a miracle in that sense. Yeah, good. It It is a beautiful display of the truth of Christ, and that's one of the reasons God calls people to that. Okay? And, and, and can we don't, we're not being threatened with beheading here, but the suffering that we do experience can be a beautiful display of the worth of Christ to us. And that is, the, I mean, we see it all through the scriptures, right? So yeah, I don't want to imply that your life is going to be one type, full of miracles, no suffering, or the other type, only suffering every day. No, it's definitely a combination of the two. Absolutely. I think that's one of the author's points he wants to make here, is he wants to say, do not put your faith in Miracles, okay? Because God doesn't always promise the kind of miracle like to be delivered from a certain situation. He always promises to meet us, but he doesn't always promise, or he doesn't promise specific miracles, okay? And then he also wants to say, don't be discouraged by the suffering. Don't let that discourage you. It doesn't mean God has forgotten you. It doesn't mean God has failed you. It doesn't mean God has disappointed you. It doesn't mean God's distant from you. His most choice believers, loved choice believers, suffered. Think of Paul, how he suffered. So, okay, let's keep going then. 
So here's the here's a question that could be raised. I mean, as you look ahead to your life and you're thinking, okay, my life might have miracles of deliverance. My life could have suffering or a combination of the two. I think at this point the author is just thinking for his readers, this could feel very unsettling. As you look ahead to your future, it wouldn't be nice if the Christian life was, you know, look at your future, just miracles, no suffering. Well, that's just not what the Bible says. The Bible's very realistic, very honest, very much so. So this could feel really unsettling. It's like, well, why would I want to follow Jesus? Okay, why, why, why would I be full of peace and joy as I look ahead to a future which could be very, very different depending on what God's plan is for me? And I think that's why the author gives us these last two verses in chapter 11. Third and fourth truth about faith. See how these help. These are so, so powerful. The third truth is that everyone who has faith will be commended by God in this life. That's verse 39. He says, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Let's just focus on that phrase that all these were commended through their faith. So all of these, those who experienced the miracles and those who experienced the suffering, and everybody in Hebrews chapter 11, all of these were commended for their faith. So what does that mean? That means all of us, everyone who has faith in Jesus Christ, will be commended through their faith. Okay, so what does that mean? Here's what it means. As you're trusting Jesus Christ, you will have times in your life when when you are seeking him and praying and, and coming before his presence, and as you pray and as you seek him in the scriptures, you will have times when God himself comes to you and commends you. You'll have times when God comes through Jesus and commends you. Sometimes that's described as God pouring his love into our hearts. We know we believe God loves us based on the truth of his word, the truth of the cross. Whether we're feeling it or not, we know he loves us. Very important. That's the foundation of the whole thing. But there will be times as you're seeking him where God will pour his very love into your heart and you feel God's here. You're here. You love me in Christ. And when that happens, it's like God's, it's not like God is commending you. You are saved through Christ. You are forgiven. You are my son. You are my daughter. I've adopted you into my family. You are loved. You are redeemed. You are mine. I'm caring for you. If you're suffering, you can trust me. If you're miracles, you can thank me. But there will be times in your life when God himself will come to you and commend you by pouring his love into your heart, filling you with his peace, letting his delight in you be tasted and seen. He will commend you. And when that happens, you will be comforted. You will be strengthened. You will be assured. You will be established. You will be satisfied. And he promises everyone who has faith in Jesus Christ will have times when God commends their faith in Christ. Everyone will have those times. So, Have you had those times recently? 
Do you take time regularly to seek God's face? Now, again, there's a whole, we can talk a lot about this. There's times where you'll seek him and you'll receive more. Times you'll seek him, you can receive less. God's wise, even in that. Times you'll seek him and you may feel like you're not receiving anything. I've had some of those times this last week. That's just reality. But you will have times when God comes to you and commends you. Oh, and those of you who've gone through suffering and have been on your face before God crying out to you and you've had God come and commend you, you know what that does. Kim Jackstite wrote a, 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 a post for my blog a year and a half ago. She, she'd suffered with panic attacks for 10 years. And a year and a half ago, she was in our home group and she shared it and we prayed for her and, and God healed her. She said last year and a half, I mean, and she had them, I think, home group, it was like almost daily, wasn't it? I mean, like she felt like she was going to die physically because of the symptoms. I mean, overwhelmed with panic. And the last part of this article, she said, the way that God met me during those 10 years, the way he would come to me, the way he would encourage me, the way he would comfort me, and then seeing what he's done made it all worth it. See, that, that's what will happen. When you are, you've experienced this, many of you, you're suffering, you're on your face before God saying, I just can't go on. I can't do this anymore. Help me. And then... He comes and he pours his love into your heart and you sense his glory and you taste his majesty and his commendation is there and you're strengthened and you're saying, by your grace, I'll give it another hour. (laughs) Here we go. That's what will happen. He will commend you. So like Chuck said, don't put your hope in the miracle. Put your hope in the fact that God will meet you in this way, in his Time and in his, and to the degree, okay, it can, it can be large, it can be small, it can be delayed, but we just keep seeking because he will do it. He will give us the commendation, the strengthening, the comforting that we need. That's the third truth. Fourth truth. In the life to come, everyone who has faith will receive what is promised. That's verses 39 to 40. He says, in all these, though committed through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us, New Testament believers, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Okay, notice, none of those in chapter 11 received what was promised. Not even the ones who got the miracles received what was promised. See what that means? The miracles is not the point of the promises. Miracle, 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 miracle. None of them got what was promised. Are you kidding me? No. Because that's not the point of the promise. Miracles come, miracles go. That's not the point of God's promise. So what is the point of God's promise? It's described back in verse 16. The author calls it the better country, the city which is to come, the new heavens and the new earth, the final resurrection, the end of history, When God returns through Jesus Christ and we are brought into his presence, that's the the promise. That's the the focus of the whole thing. Remember we talked a few weeks ago, home is not here. Don't seek your home here. This is not home. Home is coming. We're going home. Home is coming. No more crying. No more tears. No more suffering. So don't let suffering discourage you here because this isn't home. You're not home yet. Home is coming. And so no Old Testament saint received what was promised. Now, they did go to heaven. 
Okay? When they died, they did go to heaven through Jesus Christ, through the Messiah, his forgiveness. They did go to heaven. Okay, but they are still awaiting the final resurrection and the new heavens and the new earth. So they themselves haven't received the full final promise yet. And the reason they didn't receive the full final promise yet is that if the final resurrection happened back in their life, then we would never be born, we wouldn't be here, and we wouldn't get all that God wants to give to us. So it's a good thing that God's waiting, okay? And they're, they're up in heaven saying, we're waiting, okay? And because we're in on it too. So they've not yet received what was promised, and we've not yet received what was promised, but we will all receive what was promised. The final resurrection, the new heavens and the new earth, the heavenly city which is to come. That's the fourth truth. By faith, everyone will receive what is promised in the life to come. So, here's what the author wants to say to us. Don't put your hope in miracles. Some of you maybe have been doing that. Some this earthly blessing, some answer to prayer here, and your hope is in getting that. And God may give it to you, but he may not. And you shouldn't put your hope in it because you don't know what God's going to do. But do put your hope in God meeting you in this life, coming and commending you. And do put your hope in the promise that you will receive in the life to come and pray and see what God does. But see, some of you have your hope fixed on a particular answer to prayer, on a particular miracle. And I think the author of Hebrews would say, don't do that. That could be very discouraging. The author also wants to say, if you're going through suffering, don't let that discourage you. Because the fact you're going through suffering does not mean that you aren't trusting him. It doesn't mean that you don't have strong faith. I think some of the ones who have the strongest faith, God blesses, and I use that word intentionally, blesses with some of the greatest sufferings. So don't put your hope in the miracle. Don't be discouraged by the suffering. Instead, put your hope in God meeting you in this life by his Holy Spirit, commending you with his presence, and he will do that. You will meet him. You'll be satisfied in him. You'll be overflowing with him. And put your hope in the fact that you will receive at the end of history, through Jesus Christ, what he's promised. The new heavens and the new earth, the final resurrection, No more tears, no more crying, no more pain. You'll be in God's presence forever. And his presence will make it all worth it. All of it. All of it. Next week we're going to hear about the great cloud of witnesses and what they're saying to us. And what they're going to be saying is, it's all worth it. It was all worth it. Listen, New Testament believers, trust him. Trust him. Trust him. We've seen the miracles. We've experienced the suffering. He's worth it all. Trust him. And that's what I want to say to you today. Trust him. Okay, let's pray together. Let's all stand. Father, I ask that you bring your power upon us right now. Give us understanding of this passage. Help us to see what you're saying here more clearly. I pray for those who have trusted in a miracle that they would see that while you may work a miracle, that shouldn't be the point of our trust, but that we would trust in you meeting us by your spirit in this life and that we would trust in you 
raising us from the dead, bringing us into the new heavens and the new earth in the life to come, where we will be with you and see you with all the redeemed. And it'll be worth it all. So help those who have been trusting in the miracle to turn their eyes from that and fix their eyes on you right now. Free them, Lord, I pray. Free them. And let them keep praying for the miracle. Help them keep doing that. We don't stop praying for the miracle, but Lord, free them so that you are their prize. You are their treasure. And they can say the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Help those, Lord, who have been trusting in a miracle. And then, Lord, those here who have been discouraged by trials. Oh, Father, we know Satan loves to accuse us when we're going through trials and attack us. And even some believers can say things that are not helpful. Let them think of this lineup of saints who were full of faith and who suffered terribly. And they were all full of faith. And they were all commended, verse 39 says, by you. All those who suffered were commended by you. So Lord, please, I pray that those who are suffering and are discouraged by their suffering, that you would bring commendation to them as they seek you, as they come before you, as they cry out to you, that you would pour your love into their hearts, that you would satisfy their thirsty souls with living water, that you'd show them your glory in Jesus Christ so that they would be comforted and strengthened and filled. Do that, Lord, I pray. And let us all seek your commendation and trust in the promise of the new heavens and the new earth where we will be with you forever. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.